Hello everyone and welcome back to the second episode of the Women's Center podcast. Um, in this week's episode, I want to first welcome everyone back to campus. I hope your breaks were as rejuvenating as possible. I know mine was kind of not, but that's okay and we vibe. Anyways, um, for this episode, we are joined by Jess and Hope, who need no introduction as the directors of the center, but will introduce themselves shortly for our special 50th anniversary legacy episode. We're going to be talking a lot about the history of the center, its importance, where we're at now, and what's changing, and I hope y'all are able to learn more about this space directly from them. But in addition to their convo, you can actually read more about not only the Women's Center space, but a lot of the DSDI centers online. I know The Daily had published an article back in like 2018 about the center and The Observer actually last semester, I think, published an article about the histories of many of the centers, getting into also our new indigenous center that opened last year in March. So definitely go check out those articles for more info on those super complex histories and to learn more about each building's individual significance. But without further ado, I hope y'all enjoy this conversation. And as always, hit us up if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or even interest in being on the show. Um, much love to you guys, and here you go. Welcome back to folks who are tuning in again to the Women's Center podcast. This is our fourth slash fifth episode slash third or second, depending on how this even <laughs> releases. Sharika. <laughs> Um, but yes, I'm Sharika. I should be a familiar voice by now. I'm an intern at the Women's Center, and I'm joined today with Jess and Hope, um, assistant director and director. Senior director. Senior director. Associate director and senior okay. director. director. Okay, yep. got it. Thank got you Got those promotions. We got those promotions. We're going <laughs> to flaunt them, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. I feel like I Thank haven't you. gotten an update from you guys in a I while. I probably, I don't think I told everyone when they promoted me to associate director, so. I mean, and I think it was a but lot But I did of... update the plaque on my door. <laughs> and you know that's right, Jess. Um, but also I think that because there was so much like tireless advocacy that mm-hmm. went into um getting the assistant director, so the assistant director for the LGBT center, assistant director for the women's center are now associate directors, but there was a lot of advocacy, a lot of work that went into making sure folks um not only that the title got changed, but they were being compensated for the work that they were doing and that the work was the the compensation was being not backlogged. What's that word? Uh, I don't know. There was back pay. Yeah, back pay. The, right. So they paid us like what starting. they should have been made. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. So congrats to Pat. Thank you. Well, congratulations, Jess. <laughs> yeah, but welcome. Thank you for joining me. Um, for those who don't know, this podcast is a mashup of a lot of different content. It's really mm-hmm. just meant to act as any sort of time capsule for people's lives here, and also as a way for people to learn more about the Women's Center if they um, don't know much about us yet. Um, this big this episode is a lot about like our history and legacy, I'm calling it, which is super dramatic, um, but just felt like Jess and Hope, you guys are perfect for talking about the Women's Center. Jess always gives us an orientation for the interns at the beginning of the year, and we learn a lot of really great info there, but you know, that's not really something that's promoted as heavily to the right. larger student population. Right. Um, so I wanted to give an opportunity for people to like learn more and hear y'all's voices because 
you guys are famous on campus. I don't know if you know that, but now you can actually like put some voices to those names, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, feel free to introduce yourselves first um, in whatever capacity, whatever you feel like people should know. I do have a little bit of an icebreaker question after. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name is Jessica Mitzner Scully. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I am the associate director of the Women's Center. Um, my name is Hope Freeman. I am the senior director of both the LGBT Center and the Women's Center, and I also use the She Series for my pronouns. Perfect. And can you guys dive into a little bit about how you got involved at Tufts? Like, what led you here? What's your journey? Oh, dear. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a long one. So I first came to Tufts in 2014 to start my PhD in the English department. So I came here first as a grad student, and then part of that program involved um, being an instructor. I taught first-year writing for three years, and while I was still teaching there, I was also exploring what it would look like to get involved with students on campus in a different capacity. And luckily the grad assistant position at the Women's Center was open. So I started at the Women's Center in 2018 as a part-time grad assistant and then transitioned to full-time um, work here in 2019 with various different titles along the way, but working primarily on programming and, and with our student interns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It must be lovely also to like kind of be in this space now and like be hiring grad assistants does that ever feel kind of like meta or it does yeah it feels really interesting when yeah, I'm meta. especially <laughs> <laughs> it feels interesting when especially when I'm like supporting them with um thinking about planning the symposium and I get to think about like oh this is what I did but then it feels like um I don't know it also feels really cool just because I think that role has changed so many like each different person who who is in that role brings something different to it so well, some of it like reflects on what I was doing. A lot of it is like new and different. So, but it is exciting to see like generations of folks um, come through the Women's Center and having been here for some time. Yeah, and I, I mean, Jess is not nearly hyping herself up. <laughs> I feel like the way she could or should be doing, like Jess has been putting in work for like the last four years into this center. So like this center is like jess's baby of sorts so like how it's framed what our ideologies are and the values and the missions that comes out of the women's center is literally the brainchild of jess so i feel like thank you we really we're giving you your flowers <laughs> um, so uh how i came into this work i started at tufts and oh my god it's gonna be six years in march 2017 and so I do not have higher education background like you know um, I never worked in higher ed I've only worked in community community health public health nonprofit organizations things like that and so while Tufts is a nonprofit it's a different type of nonprofit right than what I was used to so a lot of the work that I've been coming from is very much community oriented people oriented um, centered on folks of color, centered on queer youth, things like that. Um, I was a youth leader, so I was, I've been in this work, heavy air quotes, since I was about 15 years old, and I was like the chair of the queer student of color organization at my college. Um, I wanted to do stuff around safer sex. I was handing out like condoms and lube and dental dams and like public sex spaces, all kinds of stuff, right? Um, and then I was like, you know, I really wanted to be able to do something a little bit different, something that felt really structured. Um, where I came out of was a nonprofit organization called Boston Glass, supported LGBTQ young people of color between the ages of 13 and 25, mm -hmm. right? So when I always say young people or talk about young people, there's a really wide range 
um, of what I mean when I say young person, right? So all of that to say, knew that that was my calling, knew that this is stuff that I needed when I was a young person, and really wanted to be able to spread that, right? So when I was in college, I felt like I did not have anybody other than my direct colleagues and peers to go to. So we had groups, but we didn't have centers like the ones at Tufts, right? So bouncing around, bouncing around, doing a little bit of nonprofit this, nonprofit that, um, got my master's in nonprofit management from Simmons. And then I was like, well, let's see what this LGBT center is about, applied and got it, right? And I really do think I got it because I did not have, I wasn't like the typical higher education administrator, asked a lot of questions, was confused about the answers, expressed that I was confused about the answers, was asking a lot of the right questions at the right time, got a lot of things um, sealed for the LGBT Center. 2018, because I feel like this is helpful with like if we're talking about the history of the LGBT, the LGBT Center, the history of the Women's Center, especially how it is now. We had a um, director for the Women's Center named Kay Martinez. Kay Martinez was hired in 2017, maybe a few months after I was hired, and Kay literally shifted the Women's Center 180 degrees, mm -hmm. right? So the Women's Center was very, it was like packed with stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It felt very 90s grunge, kind of third wavy feminism kind of goodness that was kind of dark in here, and Kay was like, throw everything out, archive the important stuff, we're buying furniture, we're putting art up, and literally it was a completely different space. So when Kay left after 11 months, there is a article in The Observer about Kay's departure, if folks want to read that, and there's also something in The Daily around that time if folks want to read it. Um, I didn't want the culture of the uh, Women's Center to be lost because this person had been here 11 months, did amazing work raised my hand to be the interim director. I was interim director for three years. And then they finally made and it And it was official. supposed to be six months. It was supposed to be six months. It was supposed to be six months. Um, we had three failed women's center searches for director, which was really hard because the students that we were supporting at the time, they were not playing any of that shit. Like, so we brought the folks in. They was like, yeah, that's cute, but no. Yeah, absolutely not. Why would y'all do this? Stuff like that, right? And so well, what, we were, what do you mean? Because they weren't like satisfied. Bad cultural fits. Really bad. Can you say more about the bad yeah. cultural fits? Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting is that like we as a women's center are really different than a lot of other women's centers Absolutely. across the country. So we were getting folks who were applying to the position who didn't necessarily understand where we were coming from or what the type of work that we wanted to do was. So for example, at some universities, women's centers are the places where folks are um, supporting survivors of abuse and assault and things like that. And title that's amazing stuff. work. Yeah. Title mm -hmm. nine stuff. Um, that kind of like that part of administrative work. And while, um, Obviously, we we care about supporting survivors, in, but in, in, in a really different sense, right? We, we're not the place where you go to report. We're not doing that. It's just more of a community care kind of vibe here. So I think there were folks applying who thought that they would be doing more, um, like, direct survivor support. And, you know, at Tufts, we have things like the care office that does that a little bit more directly and intentionally than um, what we do here. So I think there were a lot of things like that. Also, lots of folks... Um, who were sort of self-described second wave feminists. Um, the second wave of feminism is, you know, uh, waves. We talk a lot about how sure waves do. don't really um, actually encompass the histories of feminisms, um, plural, because it, it's really limiting and it's very like 
focused on a particular subset of women in North America, mm-hmm. right? Very so westernized. So kind of air quotes, second wave feminism. Um, and that's how some folks were like self-describing and wanting to come here. And we actually talk a lot about like the harms of second wave feminism and the ways in which um, that movement did a lot of work, but also did not um, really encapsulate the the broad spectrum of folks who are harmed by patriarchy um so it was very like Mm -hmm. cis white straight middle class women very much focused on those folks issues and not really um not really making space very um antagonistic to women of color to trans women to non-binary people Mm -hmm. things like that just really not representative so i think we're getting a lot of folks who are coming in with a really uh, different understanding of what feminism is and then that did not mesh with our students here and what they were looking for after k had really transformed this space Mm -hmm. um and not just the physical space but like kind of the community k was really the person who shifted uh created poc circle created things like that that really like um we're trying to center the margins you know to to make sure that um non-cis folks and people of color felt that this was a space for them they Mm -hmm. did a lot of that work and so um students that's what they were looking for and that's not what we're really getting from people in those in those searches yeah it was very much like oh i'm here to mentor the girls or very much (laughs) like do i get to teach is this so it was like more focusing on like teaching and promoting their own scholarship versus like working directly with students amongst a lot of the things that Jess listed. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the interns at this t- at that time were like not about that life and were very, very vocal about it. And we had to make sure we were advocating for them in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, six months turned into three years. It became official that I was the senior director on last year, August, September or something like that. And we're still trying to figure out how that works, right? Because I want to make sure that folks know the Women's Center and the LGBT Center are two different spaces. Yes, there is room for overlap, but there are very different things that we're doing in each of these spaces, and that really needs to be honored. So in saying that, we've been trying to find ways to better describe what the Women's Center does and what the LGBT Center does. And oftentimes that doesn't align with how the administration views what we either should be doing or I thought y'all were doing this, right? One of the things I feel like is really important to say is that um, some feedback that I had gotten from an upper administrator was, oh, well, a lot of people think that the Women's Center is only for trans people. And I was like, two things. So what if it was? And is that a bad thing? But that also speaks very highly to who you think should be accessing these services or who you think should be in here. And a lot of that is based off of like gender and sex um, essentialism, right? And we are advocates, like we avidly like go against gender essentialism. It's like, just because you have this or do this, that doesn't make you that, right? We're talking about these concepts where people are able to be, talk more about their gender, explore their gender, vibe with everybody else. But like, you know, if you're trying to smash the patriarchy, like this is a place where you want to be. Period. Period. Thank you so much for diving so much into that. And I really appreciate it because I feel like a lot of your personal history kind of melded into mm-hmm. like the women's center history. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it really speaks to how much you guys are like so like foundational to the center and all, like, all, the, all the work that you did. And sh- shout out to those interns that kept saying no. no I listen. Yeah. Yeah. listen. I really appreciate it. Like, where are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to find them again. Yeah. No, it, it was really um, grateful. Like, 
I don't know, we were really glad to be able to see that um, they, they felt empowered to, to say mm-hmm. what was and was not working for them and what they wanted this space to be. Yes. And, and, you know, we want this space to be very student-led. And so that's like a great moment for that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I, I'm, I'm in a space with the Women's Center, where I've only ever interacted with it being, like, student-led. Mm-hmm. So I, like, getting that context behind it, I think, is, like, super important to understand, like, all of that intentional work that goes into it. So I really do appreciate you guys breaking it down. I want to circle back to that also, but I don't want to skip over our icebreaker Yes. Question. Oh, yes. Break it. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, this is something that was brought up in, like, the scholar space that I'm in, the, for the Tisch scholar space, and I really like this question. What is something off-brand about you? Ooh. <laughs> First, that would require knowing what my brand is. <laughs> so give me a moment yeah, to collect Off that. Brand. Okay, so this is going to sound so, so wild. So wild. Um, when you meet me, very, like, you know, outspoken, welcoming, things like that. Um, my Myers-Briggs changed, and that, like, rocked my world, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> what are you? So I was, like, an INF. P and now I'm like a E N T P or something like wow. that. I was like, I don't, understand what that, I don't know what that means for me. So it was like it went. Oh, it was like it went from INFP to E N J P F or something like that. I just know the I and E change. Okay. So it went from introvert to extrovert. And I'll be honest, I'm like I am not a people person. Believe it or <laughs> not. Hot take, hope is not a people person. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like it's easier to become a people person because I believe in the folks that I work with. I enjoy the, my colleagues in general and like the students that we work with or have the opportunity to work with are lit. So it makes it a lot easier for me to embrace my, I'm not a people person, but it looks like I'm a people person, right? Um, certain people person. Certain people <laughs> person, right? Um, but yeah, I also feel like it has a lot to do with like my Gemini moon and like me being a Taurus. Wait, we've talked about this. We have yeah. talked about this. We have, just, we have. And it brings me to one of, I have two off-brand things about me. One, the fact that my sun sign is Leo. Leo. Never mm-hmm. fails to shock everyone because <laughs> truly the description of like what that's supposed to mean is like the exact opposite of how it I really feel. Is, I'm like, no, please don't make me the center of attention. I'm uncomfortable. Thank you. Um, but the other thing I think that would really surprise people, I really like sports. Um, I'm a big college football fan. Whoa, wait, this is very <laughs> I knew this. I actually knew this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very strange. Um, and I have complicated feelings about it because I, I don't feel good about the sports safety in general. And I don't think folks should probably be playing it. Um, but I was I was raised on college football and uh, went to the University of Oklahoma for my undergrad, which is a huge football school, oh, yeah. and I watch it all the time. And now I'm getting into wow. basketball, so um, I think that's pretty off brand. <laughs> no, I it's def- it's surprising, but you breaking it down, it does make sense. Yeah. Like I can see it. I don't know. I just enjoy watching sports. I don't want to play ever, <laughs> ever. I was the kid who used to ask people to cut behind me and kickball. Or, like, I wanted to go behind them. I was like, no, I don't want to kick the ball. Please go first. Um, yeah, so I don't want to play, but I do I do like watching sports. Oh, well, I love that. Thank you guys for sharing. <laughs> we, ne- we need to talk more about this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It shocks people. Oh, amazing. Okay, so those were our icebreaker questions. But we can dive. I know it's a little ping pongy, so excuse that weird like. Don't worry about it. Flow, but structure's made up. Structure's <laughs> made up. It's rooted in racism. Yeah. <laughs> 
you guys talked a lot already about kind of like the preliminaries, like of the like the women's center of Kay Martinez. I was wondering if you could tie more into who they were and what what else they did. Like you were talking about some big like kind of tone shifts in the center. Yeah, culture um, shifts seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hope definitely can speak to that better. I was not here while Kay was here, but I've heard a lot about what they have done for the space in general because mm-hmm. I came relatively shortly after they left but hope you should maybe you could also tie it into like talking about because we know that the the dsdi centers emerge out of like student need so Mm -hmm. like also talking more about that sure so um thinking about k so like i said k and i started um maybe like a month apart um our politics were very very similar in the sense of like focusing on justice focusing on equity knowing that the centers that we were running have this history of being cis white spaces right and um uh cis like cis white spaces i didn't say that but also like able-bodied spaces Mm -hmm. so really doing our best to kind of like work together to upset that while also making sure that we were centering the conversation around gender not just women Mm -hmm. right and so it was like it's easy because again women center people are going to make a lot of assumptions of what that means but Kay coming in and talking a lot about um the intersectional and uh, intersectionality as a framework what it looks like in a practice and what it looked like when you shift spaces and there was like proof when people would come in that type of deal mm-hmm. so oftentimes like you know the some of the directors would get pressed for pre-orientation stuff so it's like oh can you come and talk to us about pronouns or can you come and talk to us about this and so i was like bro i'm tired of talking about pronouns like what did we talk and so Kay was like well we're gonna just talk to them about what we think they should know not what we they feel like right so it ended up turning into when did you first start hearing and talking about gender what were your first um images of gender when you were growing up how have you grown to see this be structured in your life and have people in small groups and all kinds of stuff came out of that. But it was allowing us to talk about the resources on campus. It allowed us to talk about reporting structures um, uh, like the OEO and like if go to care and like the chaplaincy. So it was one of those things that it just like gradually blended together around this is a systemic issue versus just tell me about the pronouns. It's like, yeah, the pronouns is kind of like the frosting on the cake. What we're talking about is like the eggs that go into the flour in order to make the cake and then you put the frosting on it, right? So we were like doing a lot of deep diving that I don't think a lot of students had seen before, right? So it was like, oh, they do the gay thing, they do the women thing. It's like, no, we're talking about systems of oppression and structure and how that works and why we're creating POC Circle, why we're doing this. I know that Kay got a lot of pushback. I think Kay even got letters around um, a POC Circle being established. It was literally like one hour a week and there were like letters from alum was like, this is exclusionary. Yeah, it was fierce, y'all. So like, it was like, you know, this is exclusionary, this is whatever. And what was great about our dean at the time, the dean of student affairs, she was very much like, I'm shrugging, right? She was like, <laughs> she was like, I mean, people need, I don't know what to tell y'all, right? And so part of it is like, it's not that we're saying people can't come into this space, but what we're saying is POC Circle is prioritizing this particular group. And if you are not prioritizing this particular group, then that is not a space that you should enter, yeah. right? So it was like, we're not excluding anyone. But we're strongly suggesting that if you come, this is what we're going to be focusing on and nothing else, right? So that's how we were framing it and shifting it. And a lot of that made it so that there were more folks of color coming in 
spending time in the space. I know for me, when um, I first started, I'm the first black um, director of the LGBT Center. LGBT Center has been around since 1992. Black students were not using the center, but they were using me as a resource, mm -hmm. right? So there's a really big difference of, hey, Hope, can you help me with, versus coming into the center, hanging out, being there, right? And so that's still an issue. Like yeah. people still utilize me as a resource, but what we're trying to do is like figure out and we're going to be brainstorming a lot of this. So it's like Jess, Joel, myself around like, how are we, how is this like outreach and support working for us when we're trying to figure out how to bring black students specifically into this piece, right? So there's going to be a lot of focus on that and making sure that we're really trying to center and figure out what we can do. I also just want to say before I wrap it up is that just because the folks are not coming into the space, it doesn't mean that we can't create spaces like the Women's Center outside of the Women's mm -hmm. Center, right? So we know that, you know, people come here to gather and the space is great and there's snacks and all this other stuff. Oh yeah, wash your dishes, y'all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the snacks and all this Call other them stuff. Out. Call them out. Um, but also it's like, we can have those spaces outside of the space that folks don't feel comfortable coming in here, yeah. you know? Yeah, and another thing that, um, as I said, I didn't work directly with Kay, but I've seen like sort of the impact of a lot of their work. And one of the things that pieces of feedback that I heard from students who were here for that sort of transition is how much the their transformation of the physical space impacted the students' experience coming in here. So mm -hmm. what I mean by that is like Kay was very intentional about like the prints on the walls, mm -hmm. right? And so I have heard from students of color who've said like, you know, oh, I thought I knew what the Women's Center was. Like this is some white girl stuff, not interested, right? Um, but they came in and the first thing they saw was a print a print on the wall of um, a black woman activist talking about womanism. And they were like, whoa, I haven't seen this before. I haven't seen pictures of trans women of color all over the walls of a space like this before. In the murals. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. the, the murals that they commissioned and things like that, where all of these things were like supposedly surface level, right? But actually what they were doing was signaling what type of space this could be and really yeah. providing mm -hmm. an entry point for a lot of students to see themselves here in a type of place where they didn't expect to see themselves. And so yeah. I think that's one of the things that um, I think it's important that we see like that that's one of the impacts of their work that they did here too. Yeah. Um, I also want to also say that Kay Martinez is a trans non-binary Afro-Latinx person. Mm -hmm. So that was also like, while we've had directors who maybe have come out as trans or non-binary afterwards, I want to say that this is the first person who came into the role as a trans person. Yeah, and I think that was probably huge for students as yeah. well to see themselves here in a different Absolutely. in a different kind of way, see a different sort of leadership and representation there. I think that's really special. And also just like sad in a way that like students were coming in and like, the shock of having to yeah. like, be like, oh, I'm represented here. Mm -hmm. And and so I really want to hype the idea that you were talking about, Hope and Jess, like about like bringing these types of spaces out more into mm -hmm. Tufts. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that you guys are very active with like supporting student populations on at Tufts. And, oh, like, you have no constantly idea, being reached out to. So I'd love to hear more about like, you know, that kind of that energy of like center to to the rest of the community more. Mm. Two things. <laughs> One is that um, just to also kind of um, differentiate between Jess and, my, and our, me and Jess's roles, Jess and I work together around outward facing stuff, right? So like administration and things like that. Like I want to make sure that um, like we, we just got invited to, um, what was it? The menstrual? Um, oh yeah. The, pres the president put together a committee around like 
menstrual disparity or something yeah like, like that. menstrual access on campus yeah. in response to the project like we've been working on a project with um tcu senate and with health services to get um disposable gender or disposable menstrual products in the gender neutral bathrooms across campus mm -hmm. um but when the president's office heard about this initiative they were kind of like why is this an issue how can we operationalize this um and everything like that so we're we're on a new committee to mm -hmm. try to work um for i think for next year mm -hmm. of how can we um expand access and things like that so right you, you and were so saying. no definitely so part of it too is that like because i'm supporting two centers and I want to make sure that the folks who are supporting me are also getting into this. It's like, yes, I will be at the first meeting, but that's going to be Jess's baby moving forward, right? So oftentimes with my role, it's very much how am I working with other administrators around electronic systems when they're talking about women, when they really should be talking about gender or how even we're talking about safety like on campus and things like that and being mindful and letting people know around like, look, safety looks different depending on who you are, where you come from, what you've had access to. Mm -hmm. So it's not a blanketed issue. So I'm usually in these rooms asking like the harder questions that like, you know, like the eggs and like the flour. Those are the questions that I'm asking. And I feel like, you know, it disrupts business as usual, but in a good way, because it's like, we're not meeting to meet, we're meeting so that we're actually solving stuff, right? If we're thinking about um, associate directors, it's a lot of inward facing stuff. And just wanting to make sure that like, you know, I'm getting resource and advocating for what Jess and Joel need in the Women's Center and in the LGBT Center, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of my stuff is like I said, outward facing alum, parents, things like that um and then making sure that i'm supporting jess and joel with what they need yeah i think in terms of like how do we yeah how do we work with students to to bring some of this out i think one of the things that we do is like trying to as hope was talking about earlier like be a resource in yourself for people mm -hmm. and um, and obviously like that all depends on your capacity in the moment, especially yeah. if you're being asked to educate other people and things like that. But, um, I try to be in rooms in other places where I am able to like clarify what the women's center's politics are, mm -hmm. why that's important. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of like often consulting with student groups or something yeah. who are interested yeah. in being more inclusive and changing up their values in, um, making people feel more comfortable in their space. And I think some people have seen um, seen that transition and that work being done at the Women's Center and will often ask for things like that. So that's one of the ways that we're trying to sort of bring um, aspects of what we do at the Women's Center to other spaces on mm -hmm. campus is by supporting those groups in um, figuring out what their community needs are and how they can um, work within their their organization or their department or their office or whatever whatever situation they're in to it, you know kind of incorporate a lot of the values and the practices that we are doing here and yeah. being able to offer that feedback. But I think in general too, one of the things that we do is just being there as a person for students often invites them into yeah. this kind of community even if they're not already a part of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, we'll be talking to students about um, an experience they're going through, maybe helping them report something that happened to them and things like that. Yeah. They may not even be involved in the community yet, but hopefully having someone that feels trusted to them is something that can help bring them in and let them know more about what it is that we do. So that's in some ways a little bit of outreach as well. That's a really good point. Um, I was thinking about while you were talking, Jess, just like I say a lot like policy to practice in the sense of like 
these two centers, and I've said this a million times before, we're going to put it on the record. Um, <laughs> but I've said this a million times before, but like the LGBT center and the women's center is like a very nebulous population, right? And so in the sense of on paper, women make up 52% of people at Tufts, right? And then if you're thinking about if you're negating body and gender essentialism, that could probably go up, it could go down, that type of deal. Another thing, if we're talking about LGBT communities and populations, throughout the culture at Tufts, right? It doesn't just exist in the LGBT center. So oftentimes when I'm asked to do trainings, right? It's like, it'll be like, like my perfect one is the pronoun training and the safe space trainings. I don't do those. Well, why don't you do those? I don't do those because I would prefer that my resources and my energy goes into the students and the staff that I'm working with. If we want to do that, we can work with the CDO's office so that they can have that as a university thing versus just coming out of the LGBT center, right? Yeah. Because people are like, they want them stickers. And I'm like, nah, they're for students. Like, you don't get to put a rainbow sticker because you got to learn about pronouns. That's not it. You have to shift your values and your ideas. Yeah. You have to, like decolonize, I'm using heavy air quotes, decolonize your Facebook and IG feed, right? It's a little bit more than just taking a training. Like you have to shift your life and your culture in order to fully, fully understand the stuff that we're trying to do. Yeah. We be in these streets fighting, child. Like, <laughs> you should see us. <laughs> well, thank you. I feel like the students definitely feel that. And I don't know how often you're Efforts go recognized, but um. <laughs> well, we got a Tufts Distinction Award. Yeah, Holy today. Cow. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Students know. Were the students know there were no students there, but the students know, and like we don't necessarily need that recognition. I think that's why a lot of us was like, bro, we're not taking a picture, but I'm like, we don't need the recognition, but a lot of it, it just goes to show. I feel like DSDI people are still trying to figure out where to place us, yeah. right? So in the sense of like, yeah, we've got this new, again, heavy air quotes, we've got this new diversity and equity and inclusion group, and they're gonna do these things. But yes, what's the position of power that we can do these things? What's our muscle looking like? Who are we reporting to? Where's the money at? Are we able to hire more people? What's good? Because we do have eight incredible centers here, seven directors, because I run two centers, and there's staff, but it's disproportionate depending on the center, right? So there's a lot of folks who will see that as a really good thing, and it is. Eight centers, about 24, 25 staff people, incredible. Might not have that in a couple other universities, but if you're looking at it from the other hand, folks need more pay. Folks deserve more pay. Different title changes, position changes. People need staff, right? And so it's one of those things where we can celebrate having these resources while also asking and holding the university accountable and the people who support us accountable for more resource. Yeah, more people, because I think this, the folks in this division have so many ideas. It's about the, the sort of uh, power and resources to make a lot of those things yes. happen. Yeah. So a, a lot of what it means to work really directly with students is often like, oh, you had big plans for what you were gonna get done today, those long-term projects, and then somebody has a crisis, and then your whole day is just working with them. And yeah. so you don't Probably get the to- Probably the rest of the week. Yeah, like, and, and <laughs> you know? that's like, honestly, I mean, I want it to be that way in the sense that this takes priority, yes. but um, we hope to be able to like accomplish those big things as well too, in addition to being sort of on the ground and supporting people with whatever comes up. Yeah. Definitely, because you guys are individual people. And then it gets to things <laughs> like dishes at the Women's Center, and I'm yeah. like, ah. 
that's like such a like, small thing. Is this thing. what we're doing? Yeah. Is this what we're doing? Yeah. Ramen not, in the sink? Oh my God. Yeah. Not the best use of our time. I'm just saying, right? No, not at all. But thank you guys for, again, diving into all of that. I really appreciate it. Um, you were kind of heading in this direction, but like one of the big overarching questions that I had was like, what are like future directions for the Women's Center? Like, mm-hmm. what are, like oh, oh. Yeah. Jess, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Well, I think first, um, I don't know if this throws it off schedule, but um, I, I was wondering, since it is our 50th year, if we should talk a little bit about the history, kind of fill that in. I think mm-hmm. that will provide the good context um, for What's where we're Please moving. Please do. Yes. Okay. So yeah, so we were founded in 1972, and that really came up very much um, from the jump that was linked to abortion rights and reproductive justice and in general kind of bodily autonomy issues. So the I think fraternity thing that was going on. Yeah, there were some protests and things going on about what had been happening on campus related to Greek life and some various incidents, but there was also basically a founding of a like national abortion coalition mm-hmm. um, chapter here at Tufts, and that kind of coincided with the creation of the Women's Center. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's important, especially now as we're recording this in 2022, post the overturning of Roe v. Wade, thinking oh, about God. how the this Women's Center has always been focused on thinking about bodily autonomy. And I think obviously we think about that in broader ways right now, also in 2022, thinking about the massive amounts of anti-trans legislation and how that is also very much a linked issue in terms of attacks on bodily autonomy, attacks on um, gender, attacks on folks who are harmed by the patriarchy. Even thinking about incarceration and how people were literally voting this year on if slavery should exist. You know what I mean? So we're talking about body autonomy, voting for someone to be enslaved. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. So I think that's important to think about, like, kind of where we're coming from. But um, we were initially founded as a student group um, and kind of operated out of various, like, basements across campus and things like that. Finally became an administrative office of Tufts in the 80s. And we have been in our current location at 55 Talbot since, I believe, 1988. Um, so we've been here for a long time, but I think, um, as we were talking about in terms of Kay Martinez and the work that they did in terms of shifting this space, I think what the Women's Center has looked like over time has definitely differed, you know, being founded in sort of air quotes, second wave feminism Mm -hmm. era, you know, a lot, we, our space has shared, I'm sure a lot of the exclusionary history that a lot of, um, aspects of feminism in the U S did being focused on largely like straight, cisgender, white, middle-class, able-bodied citizens. Um, Yeah, very much focused on women in the workplace and domestic violence and things like that, all of these important issues. But as Hope was saying, I think now we're much more focused on like systems and doing that broader work and connecting, um, taking um, the idea of an intersectional lens very seriously and not just like putting it on a sticker and saying we're intersectional, but being very mindful about like, what does it literally mean to create programs that are centering these intersections of identities? And how do, how does that come through in our programming, Mm -hmm. in our values, in the ways that we engage with each other and being mindful of like who has what going on in their life? So I think we try to take that really seriously. And I would say that is kind of where we are now in that really um, 
yeah, sort of broad kind of systems place where we want to be um, honoring these intersectional identities and thinking not just about what's your identity and your experience, but like how does that connect to these broader trends that we're seeing? How, how are we connecting the dots between things like yeah. homophobia and transphobia and like what we have often seen as like the oppression of cisgender women? Like mm-hmm. those are actually related issues, right? And so how do we not just make this a space that is like quote, like, inclusive to all identities or whatever, but, like, actually doing the work of seeing how those oppressions are related. So mm-hmm. so it's not just surface level, and I think mm-hmm. that's where we have been now. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's really exciting to think about where we might go to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hope, do you want to add to what I said so no, far? I mean, honestly, I feel like you covered a lot of it. And, like, just, again, just to emphasize, like, when we talk about, like, interest, I feel like, so when we first came into this, it's like, you want to talk about, an overused ass word intersectionality was an overused ass word and not only was it overused it was misused right and so part of it too is like we're saying these things with intention we're thick we're talking about the critical race theory piece and we're talking about intersectionality as a framework and how kimberly dr kimberly crenshaw was envisioning it, but also putting our own spin on it, right? And it's because, again, we've got these amazing theorists and writers and, like, um, radical black feminists and whatever, but it's like, and we can take those works, embrace those works, amplify those works, but we can also put our own kind of, like, how are we trying to be creative and showing up in these spaces, too? Mm -hmm. So when Jess was saying, yes, like, you know, we talk about intersectionality as a framework and also as a practice not just here's how i list my identities and i'm gonna be go be a girl boss (laughs) lit and that's we're trying to go a little bit deeper than what that necessarily means and it's like look do the girl boss thing make sure you whatever like what but we're talking about real world issues and literally trying to connect this idea of womanness or gender and body autonomy it's literally is the undercurrent of a lot of oppressions that people who come into this particular space experience in some kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I know when I first started college, it was very much like, why is this happening to me? (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? And part of it is like, I have language to talk about how and why this is happening to me. I do not have to um, identify as black first. I do not have to identify as this first. All of my identities are informing my are, are being informed by my experience, right? All of my kind of um, oppressions or what I'm experiencing are being informed by the body that I'm living in, and also not not saying be okay with it, but being affirmed in it, right? And it's like it's not a bad thing. It's like oh my god, I'm so black, or oh my god, I'm so queer. It's like nope, that's what I'm standing in. This is how this looks, and this is where I could talk to people about understanding that a little bit deeper, right? Um, which I really appreciate about the conversations that come out of the Women's Center, and that's the work that I'm really, really proud of, right? Yeah. I think another thing, if I'm thinking about like how we're moving into the future, like name change stuff, like the Women's Center is the Women's Center, but it does not in any way fully capture the work and the intention and like the power and like not just the staff but the students and the interns and the folks who come in here we're doing some dope ass work having some incredible conversations in here and there has to be something a little bit more to describe that and especially if we're talking about gender and thinking about inclusive spaces how do we use our name and move that into um 
folks who are not women or folks who maybe women doesn't fit them are not being seen as an afterthought. So shout out to uh, Maria um, because Maria uh, Mahood, is that Maria Mahmoud? Sorry, Maria. Um, I was really big about, so, hey, like, what's good with this title and, like, what's good with this name? And Jess was like, ooh, you right. And then they came to talk to me, and I was like, ooh, y'all both right, you know? <laughs> and so I also think that that's what's really good about the Women's Center and our collaboration. It's like, we don't know everything, yeah. right? Like, it could be really easy to be like, well, it's the Women's Center. It's been that way since 1972. And? Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Like we can always update and change. Stuff. I think that's I think that's my biggest vision for us moving forward. Is in some ways, um, I hope this isn't a cop out answer, um, but I I mean it sort of seriously that like I don't know what our future holds, and I'm excited about that, like in a positive way, because I don't see our future as something that Hope or I like direct. Right. We, we see it as things that students direct. Come so yeah. I'm excited to see like, even over the time that I have been here, there has been like a massive amounts of programming shifts. Like we used to have just a lot more like lunch and chat kind of things. And like, and now we have a podcast that you're making. And we <laughs> you know, have- What the hell is that, right? Yeah. It was so exciting. <laughs> and like Gaze and like these big- Gaze is our magazine, Yes, Gaze is our student, student-run student magazine. Shout out Maeve. Hey. Yes, Maeve, Maeve. Maeve like created this whole project and that's work that, that they proposed that I couldn't have seen coming. So that's, that's right. why I'm kind of like, yeah. I don't know what our future holds, but I know that it keeps changing and shifting every single year. And I'm really excited to continue to be able to like use this space to uplift where students want to go with it. But so in some ways it's like, I can't fully answer that question, but I feel like that's part of what is exciting about this space. It's incredibly student directed. And like, I am excited to continue to have the, the critical conversations with our students and also like learn from them about their ideas because a lot of you all are envisioning things that mm -hmm. I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see where they move. Yeah. I mean, and to honestly echo what um, Jess was saying, it's like, I think I don't think that was a cop out answer. I think that was a great answer. Um, but I'm also like, yeah, excited about the unknown, but also excited slash like, because again, we don't know everything. So it's like finding out what the spots are that we've missed yeah. or the opportunities that we can pick up is also really exciting for me too. So yeah, plus one around what Jess was saying, but also like hold us accountable, right? Yeah. Like that's what we want. It's like if there's something that's happening that you're like, I don't see it happening. Like, please, please let us know. Because if anything, we'd love to be able to throw some money at a program, a snack or two, feed yeah. people, X, Y, Z. Definitely. So. And I feel like this whole conversation, I had like swirly thoughts in my brain, but I feel like three things I want to kind of touch yeah, on please. there is like, one, the name. And if we could dive more into that, because we have a lot of internal conversations about like potential different names that we've thrown around and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. To um, programming and what kind of exists right now, um, what like just kind of shouting them out and mm -hmm. be plugged. And three, I'm forgetting. <laughs> so it'll come back. <laughs> it'll come back. Um, but yeah, maybe we could start with the name stuff and then yeah. start with some programming. Yeah. So um, as yeah, I this is this is briefly off. Do you think Maria wants to be shouted out on it? I don't know. I don't know, but Maria's been doing so. So much. They're the work. most productive person I've ever met. I, and I, like, I thought Jess was the most productive person. <laughs> and I was like, Jess I'm ain't upset. got shit on Maria. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. That's real. That's so real. <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. But yeah, so around our name change, I think we have been having, um, yeah, we've had student and community feedback um, that what often feels like 
what happens when we sort of introduce people to our space. You know, folks ask me like, what's the one thing that you wish you could tell people about the Women's Center? Yes. Or what's the one misconception people have? And it's always that this is not a space only for women. Mm-hmm. And I think we have just started having a lot of conversations and that really amazing critical feedback from students about like, it's a little hard that this becomes a sort of like, we always have to asterisk the the name, right? Of like, we're the Women's Center, but mm-hmm. we're not just for women, right? Um, and I think in some ways, like, I think we have also just had some really good conversations too about how that, about our values, not just in terms of like why um, it is essential in our understanding of like, gender equity and gender justice for us to be not just a trans inclusive space but like a trans centered space in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways right not just seeing this as an afterthought Mm -hmm. um but as like this is fundamental to our understanding of how patriarchy operates right that like um transphobia is part of the patriarchy this is one of the ways that it works so it's important to us that our name reflects the fact that that is not an afterthought to us right that it's not just oh and also other folks can come here but how are we seeing how the gender binary is um is operating in all of these different types of conversations even in our spaces right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so i think we have you know heard that feedback that a, this doesn't feel comfortable to some people. Some people who don't identify as women love this space and this community and are kind of like, this doesn't feel right to yeah. me, right? Like, this doesn't really represent what we do. And in some ways, at this point, it feels like maybe it's our name is working against us because yeah. we're always having to have that asterisk of, oh, but we're not just for women and things like that. And we're kind of like, wouldn't it be great to have a name that really represents our values and the work that we're doing mm-hmm. while also honoring, you know, the history and where we came from. Um, and genuine about it, right? Yeah. Because, like, to your point about it being or feeling like an afterthought, it's like, yeah, for women, but also, and it's like, that feels tacky for somebody yeah. who's, like, trying to find a space and you're, you're like, oh, yeah, and, like, I probably wouldn't want to go to that space yeah. either. So, like, yeah, to Jess's point, that's something that's really important that we're talking about and thinking about. Yeah, and I think we've also had a lot of discussions, too, about, like, how it's really important to our sort of political understanding of feminism that um, not just, like, that um, folks of all gender identities, including cis men, are involved in that conversation because all of us have been socialized into patriarchy and all of us have to find our ways out of it, Mm -hmm. and we want everyone to be along for that for that ride, for that experience, we want everyone to be joined in our values. And so it's just um, getting to a point where it feels like, is the name working at cross purposes for, for the work that we're actually doing and for what our values really are and who we want to be involved, which is honestly like everyone. <laughs> Everybody. And like, so to the point around everyone involved, like that includes checking, like checking in with an alum. And so checking in, like not necessarily asking for permission, but like a temperature check, like, hey, what do you think about this? What have you um, just is putting together like um, like a survey or an ask and also collecting alum information, which I was like, yikes. And Jess was like, I'll do it. So doing all that, but all of that to say, um, yeah, student buy-in and not just like the students that occupy the Women's Center, but like folks who could occupy the yeah. Women's Center. How would you feel about X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So um, another thing that I was going to mention around spelling, right? So some of the ways that and it's not a cop-out because I don't want to hate on everybody right but like we want to be really mindful about like how woman um has been spelled um not taking the root of just changing how 
women is spelled because oftentimes it's seen as um, trans exclusionary and very like what are the what are the lesbians called when that's like you know no men and like women identified women is women identified women and then there's um fudge what's the other one all that to say it is like spelling women in different ways is seen as inclusionary for some but exclusionary for most right and so it's like i'm spelling it this way because there's no men in my women and if you identify as this or if you're whatever it's like we don't do turfy yeah. goodness, right? And, Even, like, we want the, men to be involved in the conversation. We and we want to involved. talk about masculinity Absolutely. and all of that stuff. That's part of that's part of this work, yeah. Yeah, oh, and then to, when we talk about program, because we had a masculinity circle two years ago? What it was, we? like, three years ago was it three? at this point. I'm, I'm working on something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that's just a jam. So, like, all of that to say, um, I just want to, again, highlight, like, how women has been spelled in the sense of, like, um, exclusionary. So there's, there's some groups who will be like women's center. And then instead of the, um, not a comma. Apostrophe. Thank you, Jess. Instead of the apostrophe, <laughs> it's an asterisk, right? Yeah. Or if it's women, it's W-O-M-X-N or W-I-M-M-I-N or W-O-M-Y-N. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. another piece that came up, because we were talking um, with the Africana Center, was like women is sometimes w-o-m-y-n is mis- is spelled that way to separate themselves from white women right and so again it's you think about the cultural piece you think about historical pieces and you also think about trans exclusion we want to make sure that we're being mindful of all of that so uplifting stories around black women who may spell it with a y that is valid and then uplifting that, you know, if someone's spelling it with a Y, that could also be seen as trans exclusionary as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because that's that spelling is also linked to the the Mishfest, um, Michigan women. Michigan Fest. Yeah, the <laughs> that Mich- doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the the Michigan uh, Women's Music Festival from the 1970s. They used that spelling, and they were very explicit about trans women being excluded. Um, Even boy children, like like male children couldn't, couldn't come with their mothers and things like that it was incredibly like gender essentialist and yeah. exclusive and so while some folks may find the spelling with the y to be indicating this like black radical tradition and things mm-hmm. that feel really meaningful to them some other people may see it mm-hmm. and remember this other history that felt really harmful and things yeah. like that so yeah. we feel like changing a spelling um we don't want to yeah we don't want to make anyone feel harmed by our name and i think it even still doesn't feel like that would encapsulate enough of the yeah. the broader kind of systems level work that we're interested in doing. So yeah, we're it still feels like an add-on, right? And yeah. It's like, oh yeah, like, you know, but, and I've also heard arguments around like, well, when you spell it that way and you're including trans women or femme-leaning folks, then you're still saying that we're not women, right? Because you're spelling it differently. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of stuff around the spelling that, you know, we've been very mindful of. Um, and so like as someone who like is studied and rooted in black radical feminist tradition, in my mind, the why makes sense. That's not how I spell it, but I understand that that's how it goes. I also understand cultural significance as well as the um, transphobic or trans antagonistic significance around it. But even then, it's usually white trans folks that are like, don't spell that with a Y telling black women who are trying to separate themselves from white feminism or white women what to use. So there's still that kind of racial dynamic that's playing out, but wanting to make sure that that both holds weight, but we're not saying one is right over the other. Yeah. We're not interested in litigating that, but we don't want to change our spelling either. Yeah. We're not doing that. Yeah.
Well, thank you. Wow, that was a lot. I really <laughs> listen. We be. Th- I'm telling you, they we be thinking in. <laughs> you should hear the conversations we have. Yeah, and big shout out to Mario who's doing a lot of the work. Yeah, Mario did like um huge. Incredible. Yeah, we can ask them if they want this to be in there. But Mario did like huge amounts of research on what other centers have changed their name. They did. They just like reached out to someone and scheduled a whole interview and did all the notes. And came and, and was like, "Yeah, I already did this." And we were like, "Oh, well, shit. Let's. What's the next?" <laughs> I really appreciate that. Wow. Yeah, they are research wizard. Lit, um, lit, lit. Incredibly organized. So yeah, they have been doing a huge amount of work in this and we really appreciate that um shifting a little bit but we did talk a bit about it earlier when we were talking about programming and for the future directions we were talking a lot about how like we want students to come in and direct kind of the goals for the the women's center um and i wanted to ask more about this like how does one begin to get involved here who do they come talk because that's i feel like a really big barrier even yes i think it's gonna my my response is like i'm always trying to create my approach to it is trying to create multiple entry points because I think what, what works for someone is not going to work for someone else. Yeah. So for some folks, um, I know that their experience in getting involved in the center has just been that they knew somebody else who was involved and then they came here to study and then they mm-hmm. stayed and they went to all the programs <laughs> and did all the things and this became just like another home for them on campus and that's super real. But for some people, maybe it's coming to a program. Like, I mean, the first step is like, you know, follow us on Instagram, mm-hmm. sign up for our newsletter so that you can actually see what events we're doing and decide where you might want to get involved. So that's like one way. And if people feel overwhelmed too, like you can just like schedule a meeting with me. Mm-hmm. I can point you towards one of our interns who might have similar interests. We also have all of our interns bios up on the wall mm-hmm. with their interests listed there. So you can check in and be like, Oh cool. Sharika's doing a podcast. I'm going to reach out and talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you like podcast editing help? Um, but <laughs> no, you got it. Um, but so I think that, you know, there's lots of different entry points, whether that's physically coming in the space, um, just starting to study here, meeting a friend, coming to Queer Daisies, like going to a collab event with another center you're already involved mm-hmm. in, scheduling mm-hmm. a meeting with Hope or myself to be like, how is this working? Hell, say um, hi to us when we're walking down the street. Yeah, like yeah. literally just get involved with any of us as people or start with the programming, but we just know that what that looks like for everyone is going to be different. Mm -hmm. So we try to create as many like outreach opportunities as possible, Mm -hmm. spread our events around on campus. So folks know about them and see them. And hopefully so folks know about our space, you know, we're right like in the middle of campus, but Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the number of times I've had a student tell me like, I wish I had known that this is what this building was before like my senior year or something. So we're just trying to do as much, outreach as possible in all of these different avenues and whatever is the the right way for you to get involved is totally valid and yeah we see all sorts of different versions of what that looks like for people and I I want to jump in because I feel like a big way I got involved was through my club and then when we were cleaning out the basement this summer (laughs) there was a lot of really cool like boxes and stuff with like like SWSG who had like boxes there and they'd apparently been like kind of doing their club meetings here before and I think Project Linus just recently joined us um, mm-hmm. in, to, in the Women's Center and I, I feel like that's a really easy way to like come in with a group of people Yeah, and you can fill out our space reservation form oh. which is online <laughs> <laughs> if you want to host your group here and we know that that's really important too, not a lot of student orgs have like a physical space so we want to be able to share that with you and, and really like have a space that, that feels comfortable for you especially. Is there a printer here? There is 
is. Um, but we only do printing during late night study hours, which that are 9 sense. to 11, Monday through Thursday. Indeed. And there are interns here who can help you print things. And we have such great food and snacks. There's also, maybe we could talk about that a little bit. I know there have been make, you've been making active efforts to shift kind of away from the like um, snacking mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of the foods here into more of the like meals yeah yeah I think the sort of the genesis of this so when I started here we never really had snacks we mostly just did catering for events and things like that and we would often have leftovers in the fridge and we realized that folks were starting to rely on that as like a place where they could get their lunch and things like that while they were studying or in between classes and things like that and then when COVID hit um I was very concerned that people who may have been relying on our food um, like, w- what were they going to do, you know, once we actually, like, opened up again, but we're still really limited in terms of folks being able to eat together and things like that. So it became something like we were buying snacks for people to be able to, like, take out of the center with them so that mm-hmm. if anyone was struggling with food insecurity, not having any money to be able to get their next meal and things like that, that they would be have a place where they could get some food for free. Mm-hmm. Um, as we have been moving forward and now are doing events with catering again, it's, um, mostly just a budget question of trying to make sure that our limited resources are going to the best possible use and particularly in thinking about how are we supporting people who may be dealing with food insecurity in our community. Mm -hmm. So as much as we love just the fun snacks for everybody, we're trying to be intentional to make sure that if you need a meal, that there is a meal here for you. So um, Adrienne is one of our interns and she and I have been working on this. She's done a lot of uh, work on food insecurity across campus and she's been helping me kind of think about what the best use of our money is and how we can um, find different, um, different ways to support people with that on campus. So that's where we are right now. Hopefully we will get more and more resources though, and continue to, to offer food of all kinds. But, but you have to clean up after yourself after yes, you eat your meals. You have to do your dishes. It's, it's a community Please space. Do. Um, so saying that like to Jess's point, um, there has been a lot of like, you know, food insecurity, so work, Tufts in general has been working on trying to be better about that. The AAC, or the Asian American Center, had this amazing food pantry that was, like, working and doing all this other stuff, and they're trying to broaden it, um, what is it called, like, uh, university-wide. Um, so there is Tufts Food Resources, and I just really quickly want to shout out the, um, the website. So it's go.tufts.edu backslash meals. M-E-A-L-S. So you can get more information from there, too. Yeah, and we have a flyer up with the QR code right near our snack section. So if you're in the center, you can get access to that as well. Definitely. Thank you guys for doing that little pivot and highlighting <laughs> that. I really appreciate it. I don't even know if this is picking Okay, I'm just going to lean in really close. Um, there's a lot of other questions I want to ask you guys, but I also want to be mindful of time, mindful of bodies too. If we need to like get up and stretch a little, we can do that. I keep looking at my chips and I'm like, that's not going to work. <laughs> crunch, <laughs> crunch. That's not going to work. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Good okay. I, I do want to check in. There's a lot of these like personal questions that I've kind of outlined sure. that I could really just run through all of them and you can like answer whatever ones you want to. Sure. It's good to me. Um, we're, yeah, we're, we're people. We are, we are humans. <laughs> and then the other part of it is key questions that I've kind of, um, picked out from, or not picked out, they're all there, but from our Instagram. So cool. we had a lot of people oh, yeah, submit. Crystal, yeah. shout out to Crystal. Oh yeah, so there were guys. multiple folks who did takeover. Sharika organized the whole thing. Hey. I was really, I, I don't know. I just really wanted, um, an opportunity for, you know what you're talking about, like voice to be shared. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, so we got a few submissions, which I'm really excited about. And we happened to touch upon them a little bit oh, as good. we went along. So I think that's really Man, we're on top stuff. of it. Yeah. Um, so that's our brand. <laughs> <laughs> for personal questions first, I wanted to ask you guys, personal biggest triumphs and grievances at Tufts. This is like an airing out your dirty Ooh, laundry moment. Oh, bro, I got a lot. <laughs> what other work you do on campus if you want to hire anything? My hamper is full. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, student activism stuff or institutional change work that you guys are working on. Um, we already talked a lot about this, but if you want to, again, highlight anything, anything that you're comfortable sharing. And then I also wanted to ask, like, book recommendations. Just as oh, a you know way. we got a list for that. I wish I came prepared for this because I definitely got a list. Um, just okay. to start. Um, sure. Wait, what was, can, can you repeat yeah. one more time? <laughs> I, I, I'll work best. Biggest triumphs and biggest grievances with the institution. Work that you're doing on campus in terms of student activism or institutional change that you want to highlight. Sounds like big, really yeah. big words, but. Yeah, I think, I mean, what honestly comes to me in terms of triumphs is all the small. Like, it's not really the big stuff. I mean, I guess in terms of larger scale products or projects, I'm really um, proud to see the menstrual fund happening. That yes. was something I worked on for an incredibly long amount of time. Um, and so that's really gratifying to see people using that and mm -hmm. um, see that resource hopefully growing. We're excited to start crowdfunding for it um, to be able to continue to support that. But I think, yeah, in terms of my personal triumphs in this work, it's all small. It's all just like relationships. I don't know. It's it's all just our students and um, the knowing that anyone trusts you to tell you a thing is like that's that's why you come to work you know it's yeah. it's, Yo, for real, it's not even the big like I am proud of the big projects and I'm proud of our programming and I'm proud to like see our interns doing these amazing things but the thing I'm always the most proud of and the thing that keeps me here is very much just like feeling like someone wants to count on you or it feels comfortable sharing something with you yeah. is like that's what it is for me yeah. um I, I, okay, so I'm a pessimist. <laughs> I just, I just, I want to highlight that I am a pessimist. So it's one of those things where they're like, oh, hope, like, you know, the LGBT center top five. And I'm like, prove it, like type deal. Um, knowing that we do good work, but it's like, but are we? Right. Um, so all of that. Yeah. Just, they were, what was they were trying to claim? We were like one of the top queer well, campuses or one something. One of the top five, oh, like queer that. friendly campuses. And I'm like, right and so it's like it's 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 quantity versus quality right so it's mm -hmm. quantity in the sense of oh they have an lgbt center they have a way where you can change your name they have a this they have a that and it's like yes that is true and is it sustainable not a lot of it is do you know what i'm saying um so if we're thinking about resources for the centers it's like our budgets could use a little bit more muscle right <laughs> um also thinking about like yes there are ways for students to update their names and their pronouns but there's like 20 different electronic systems and none of them communicate with each other. So students are still being harmed by being misgendered, by being dead named, that type of jam, right? So one of my, um, I got a, you know what? I'm going to pat myself on the back because I've been here for a long time, but I've done a lot of really good stuff. Like I secured a house for Rainbow House out of, because um, we were a suite in the hillsides, but now we have a whole house. Um, secured and have been working with um facilities as well as campus planning to have our first all gender locker room in the athletic complex which will be done either before or after november break 
we are. Yes. I know, right? Not soon. <laughs> like it's been. It's been, not next week. It's been a work in progress, and like COVID had a lot to do with like it falling right. back and whatever, because we were starting it just before we. It was starting just before 2019. Um, the other thing is, I feel like I've made a culture shift around how folks talk about um, queer stuff, right? And so part of it is like, there used to be a lot of talk around like, oh, we need safe space trainings. And I'm like, do we need safe space trainings or do we need shifts in systems to make sure that people know if they do this, they're gonna be held accountable in this way, right? It's like, so it's different to be like, oh, I know how to use a pronoun versus, oh, I really need to be on my shit about using these pronouns correctly because that could be considered sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. If you use very clear language around what consequence is based off of an offense, it makes it a lot more clear for folks. And I think that, not think, I know I have done a better job with communicating that to administration. Um, even if we're thinking about safety on campus, one of the things I'm really proud of is, and not saying that they listen to most of it, but I was on the committee for um, one of the anti-racism work streams for um, it was like what campus is, safety campus and policing. safety and policing and i was the only person in that room mm-hmm. that was a front-facing like person who works with students directly mm-hmm. right and so there was a lot of advocacy in that way i made a presentation about the difference between restorative punitive um, transformative justice all these things and i think that my persistence or some would say my intensity was very much like, oh, she's not playing, right? Um, one of the things I feel like, because um, I know you said like happy with challenges, I know that I do good work. And I do good work in a way that is very unconventional because I'm very anti-professionalism. Um, I'm very anti-code switching. I'm very, we ain't got time for this. We're not meeting to meet to meet. Don't do the exclamation <laughs> points behind the things anymore. We don't have time for it, right? And I also understand that being a black woman, that can be coded differently depending on who I'm talking to and how they're receiving it. And not a lot of people receive it positively, right? But I'm not going to change how I'm talking, blah, blah, blah. I think the most disappointing thing that I've experienced here at Tufts so far is suggesting that I should be an assistant dean and being scoffed at for saying so by an upper administrator. And I'm not sure if they know who I'm talking about, but I know that this person got the look from me because we was looking at each other and then we was looking at each other, right? And so that's one thing I was like, you know, think about those microaggressions. So it's like, is it a racial microaggression? Is it a gender microaggression? Is it an age microaggression? Is it because I look like I just jumped off the school bus kind of thing? But even if that's the case, for me, it shouldn't matter because it's a good idea, (laughs) you know? And I was doing a lot of work for that as well. So yeah, I feel like, again, I have, I can't even hype this up enough. Like Joel and Jess have been incredible. I don't know how I would do this without them. I don't know how I was doing this before y'all got here, right? Because I was doing a lot of work and I joke around a lot about like my left and my right arm being like Jess and Joel. And like, I feel like for that, that's what creating a team where we support each other and not just in the work to keep going, but sit down, yeah. take a nap. I just, can you, can you just log off? If you're going home early, can you close your laptop? Like, I feel like fostering those types of 
environments makes it a lot easier to trust and support the people that you're working with because we trust that the work is going to get done and that we're going to have each other's back regardless. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of not to take it down, in terms of (laughs) disappointments, I think it's I think it's just disappointing that we have to repeat ourselves so much or prove ourselves. I think um, student facing work is sometimes not taken as seriously that we do not know that there is not some kind of like, um, theory behind what we're doing or, Mm -hmm. or that we are making intentional choices or, or I think just, yeah, taking the small as small instead of realizing that what we do in relationships is that culture change is that shift. So like, it's not small how you work with your students. It's Mm -hmm. really big. And I think sometimes it's frustrating that that is seen as like relatively low level or people don't know that like, oh yeah, actually we keep reading all these books about transformative justice and talking about that together. There is Not because it sounds good. Right. (laughs) So I think that's frustrating. I think that's um, extremely common across a lot of DEIJ work um, in in higher ed and probably not in higher ed as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, it's often, you know, at least... As, as a team, we really um, understand the value that everyone is bringing to their work and I yeah. think continue to learn and grow from one another. So that's definitely like the blessing of it, but it would be great to not have to prove that as much. Yeah, I mean, and it's you saying that, I feel, feel for me, if you go to my LinkedIn, and I say this a lot, but like, um, but if, you, <laughs> if you go to my LinkedIn, you know how they'll be like your name and like where you work and what you do. It doesn't say senior director of blah, blah, blah university. It says youth worker. Right. And so for me, like, I believe that young people are the future, that young people are going to not y'all are going to save us. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And part of supporting young people and not just saving themselves and making the world better for everyone is for adults to get out of their way. Right. And so oftentimes when I'm in these rooms talking about this in this way, folks are like, huh? It's like there's a lot of young people who have lived a lot more life than a lot of y'all folks in this room, right? And so that speaks a lot also to the adultism piece when you're thinking about higher ed and administrators that are like functioning this place as a business versus as a way where someone can be educated and also grow holistically in the way that we're trying to support the students that we're working with and come within DSDI, right? It's like, we understand your students, you're also a person. Yeah. And it's also hard if you're not from here, if you've never experienced Boston racism before, if you've never had to like bundle up during winter, like those, that's different. And like we hold that a lot while also trying to make sure that the administrators are doing the best that they can to support the students and support us in doing the work with students. Yeah. And, and also knowing, I think that like uh, a place where students to come to be educated, it's not just in the classroom, it's in their relationships with each other. It's them educating us. Mm -hmm. It's a community. It's like a growth opportunity. And it's not just, we have the knowledge, let's pass that on to you. It's like, how do we create an environment in which everyone is enriched from their relationships with one another, rather than just like education as some kind of like just straightforward linear process. I have this knowledge and I give it to you. Mm-hmm. That's not really how it works. Yeah. Um, but luckily that's what spaces like the women's center, I think demonstrate to a lot of people. Agreed. It's like a different kind of more horizontal and communal learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so that feels really exciting as well. We work with each other, right? Yeah. There's no big I little you. It's like yeah. you work as a team together. Yeah. I know you have, didn't you also ask about other projects? Do you want us to yeah, what do you touch on that? Or do we oh, need to get yeah. to the Instagram questions? Uh, I 
I don't care. Yeah. Whatever you prefer. I, I think we should get to the Instagram questions. Okay, oh, great. I, I want to make sure people get answers. Yes. Um, one of them we talked about, about a little bit. Um, okay, so we have, let's start with this one. What is the center, and you talked about this a little bit already, planning on doing for the future to support stu- uh, tough students, especially in the wake of the Dobbs decision and of Roe v. Wade? Mm. Whew. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's been interesting to, um, we've been in a kind of strange position with the Dobbs decision, I think partially because one of the things that we wanted to make sure we were doing is letting students know about how abortion rights stand in the state of Massachusetts and not from a place of let's pat ourselves on the back because we're all fine kind of thing. We're not all fine. (laughs) Right. Um, So we want people to know that if you are a tough student, regardless of what state you're from, if you are in the state of Massachusetts to go to Tufts, you have access to the abortion rights within Massachusetts. We have a whole guide on our Instagram about what that looks like, how, um, what exactly the number of weeks of pregnancy, um, the rules work and things like that, how you can get that, where the links are to find abortion providers and abortion care near you and things like that. So that was one of the first things that we wanted to do in the wake of that decision was make sure that students know um, what the exact laws are here while they're in school here, regardless of where they're from. And I think um, also it has been interesting to, you know, in the wake of that decision, it feels like a lot of Um, in a lot of ways, like, you know, we're seeing sort of like the age of corporations having to like declare their social justice values all over the place. So we were also not interested in being like, we support abortion because it's like, yeah, we, we've been supporting literally (laughs) the only reason this center exists is out of like, um, folks fighting for abortion rights and things like that. You know, we were founded the year before Roe v. Wade was passed. Um, and that's part of what was going on was folks organizing around abortion access and reproductive justice. Um, and so I think it's important that, that this wasn't news, right? That we have been continuing to advocate for that. But I think we are also looking for, we, um, created a space for people to just share and process their feelings though, Mm -hmm. because regardless of if you're at Tufts and you have access to abortion in the state of Massachusetts, that doesn't mean this wasn't, um, a cataclysmic experience for you, regardless of your identities and, and whether you can get pregnant or not. I think for a lot of people, this was an important moment. So we wanted to make sure we have that space. I think we're also looking though for feedback of like, if you have, you know, we want to continue to do these things. We want to continue to be people that you can talk to about this, be people who are continuing to talk about the intersectional um, aspects of abortion. So like, who is this differentially impacting, right? We know that this type of decision is going to differentially impact folks of color, low-income folks, um, people in certain states. Um, you know, how is this impacting people who are not seen as someone who can get pregnant, but they can, and that's something, people who are in abusive relationships, right? Like, all of these different aspects to it, we want to make sure that anything we do is taking all of that into account um, to really see this not as, like, a, a one-note issue, but, like, abortion is a vast, vast issue that impacts tons of people. Um, but I think we'd be really open to feedback too about if you have a specific thing that you'd like to see from us on that regard, you can help us make that. So if you have an idea for an event or you want to, um, host your activism meetings here at the women's center, like those are all things that we can and want to do with you. Another thing I want, I really appreciate you saying that Jess, um, because I'm thinking a lot about, again, the folks who don't typically have access 
to reproductive um, support, right? And so it's not just, um, it is Dobbs, right? But it's also like reproductive justice, period. Like Mm -hmm. body autonomy, period, right? And so when we think about, again, reproductive justice, folks don't think about trans folks or they don't think about um, queer folks in that. And it's important that we're having those conversations. And to Jess's point, the folks who are most likely to be the most affected by this particular decision are like low-income, poor um, folks of color who are queer or trans, right? Um, and, and don't have access or in certain states where you're not allowed to get access. Um, there was a point, I was going a certain spot with this. <laughs> so queer, reproductive justice, blah, blah, women. So another thing I want to say really quick, and this might be off topic, and I, and I know it's on topic, just because we're talking about gender and talking about systems and we reject um, body and gender essentialism does not mean that people have to be ashamed of being women, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're like a person's womanness is not wrapped up in someone else's gender identity, right? I feel like it's fine and complete. I'm proud to be a black woman, right? But when we start having language around like, well, I'm a black woman and you, that ain't got no, that's when it starts towing the line, right? It's like my gender, how I express my gender, me being a proud of a woman does, um, does not have to mean I have to shit on somebody else or somebody else's gender to make me feel better about my womanness. So if it's wrapped up in that, it's transphobia, y'all, right? But you know, it's not a problem to be proud of being a woman. Shit, I'm proud of being a woman. But when yeah, it starts same. bashing um, folks of different genders or excluding folks of different genders or I'm putting myself on a pedestal around being better because I'm a quote-unquote biological woman, we don't do that here. No. We don't do that here. And it's like, yeah, being, if anything, for me, being proud of being a woman makes me understand how other people would be proud of their gender identity, whatever that looks like. Say and, that, Jess. Okay? <laughs> like, you know, I want to be in, I want to be affirmed in that and I want them to be affirmed in their identity too. So. I know that's right. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Another kind of question was, what was the evolution? Okay. Yes. What was the evolution of the Women's Center becoming more gender minority inclusive? Oh, again, I feel like that started with K. Yeah. I'll be one hundred percent, and like, I fit two thousand seven. That was a that was a good like summer slash year. Like, there was a lot of people were coming into this center that I was like. They were, they were first years, black first years who were coming in and be like, oh my goodness, and blah, 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 and literally would come during like lunch and breaks and then talk about this is this racial microaggression or this is what happened to me in class, right? And we would collect that data in the sense of like, okay, do you want to report it? Well, I don't really think it's a big deal. I'm going to tell you why I see it as a big deal. Mm-hmm. And once I'm done, you don't have to, right? But it's yeah. also uplifting those stories of like, this is not something that you have to deal with or this is not something that like you're just supposed to shrug off. You have an opportunity if you like to be able to do this. And so giving folks opportunities on how to report if they want to report, letting them know kind of like what their rights are. Um, And I feel like this year and last year, I've seen a lot more like trans and non-binary folks coming into the center. Um, I, I know I've seen cis men be sorted into the center, right? Because they're like worried about whatever. But like, I feel like for gender minorities specifically, we're trying to make sure, even with the menstrual fund, right? Like thinking about how people experience um, their periods is very different. Like folks are not always comfortable with inserting something. Folks are not comfortable with like, you know, I don't know, 
you know, I was getting ready to say, I was about to say taxonomy and then I was about to say toxic shock syndrome, but I don't think (laughs) that either of those have to do with what I'm talking about. But basically the women's center having different types of products that are not just tampons or not just pads, right? Because we understand that people experience menstrual seat, like menstrual seat. Is that a word? It is now. Thank you. Differently, right? <laughs> so um, that's how I feel like we've been doing yeah. that. And it's again, we don't know what the future is. We just want to make sure that if folks are saying something, that we're able to supply it or just support them around thinking it through more. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I can't take credit for this at all. I think when I started at the Women's Center, we already had lots of like trans and non-binary and genderqueer folks who were part of the space. So um, I, I have heard that that had a lot to do with Kay's influence. Mm-hmm. And I think we can see that from a lot of ways. But I think the other thing, you know, from my perspective, in terms of the time I've been here, I think what I have been trying to do is make sure that we are understanding that not as like a oh, at this point when you're doing feminist work, it's expected that you also include black... No, Mm -mm, mm -mm. that's not how we're approaching this. It's not like, oh, we need to include uh, non-binary and trans folks because we need to be nice or because that's what the expectation is for feminist politics right now. No, it's because that is actually very, like, as I was saying, transphobia is very fundamentally linked to patriarchal oppression. And so what I have been trying to do is make sure that our students understand that, that this is is not um, some kind of added on just like make sure we're doing yeah or Mm -hmm. because it's an expectation or because we're gonna get flack if we don't know it's because we understand the ways that this is fundamental to our values and I think my hope is that that type of perspective is also making the space feel more affirming to those folks who don't um, who don't necessarily feel like, oh, it's an afterthought for us or we're just tacking it on because whatever we want to be seen as X, Y, or Z. No, it's because we understand why this is important. Yes. And so I think that's what I have been have been thinking a lot about over the past couple of years, especially as we have seen the simultaneous assault on like reproductive rights that we normally associate with cis women and a bunch of anti-LGBTQ, anti-specifically trans legislation, anti-trans healthcare, anti-trans rhetoric, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. This is all wrapped up in bodily autonomy and like patriarchy and everything. And so that's what I have been thinking about. And I'm hoping that it sort of um, has some impact on our culture and, and what people feel here. There's intentionality like underneath the work that the foundation of which we're trying to build trying we're building is like very much rooted in these ideas and why it's important so i am glad and thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to actually talk about this Mm -hmm. because our work is this is why the work is important this is why we are doing what we do because it's literally shifting culture and like how you talk about gender how you see bodies like body autonomy is not just for breasts and vaginas right or breasts and vulvas it's body autonomy is body autonomy and I, i think a lot about like also um I know there's not a lot of kids on campus, but like kids too, like we want to be able to model that children have body autonomy. So yeah. you don't force someone to hug like, oh, give them. No, we, if the child says no, or if there would, that's including and supporting body autonomy as well. Yeah. So all of this trickles down, especially for thinking about reproductive justice and all these other things. So like, yeah, it's all linked. It's linked. And that's the point of the women's center. It's not just a, yeah. a panel on like girl bosses. <laughs> No shade, girl bosses, but shade. <laughs> Do your thing, but also understand the no. systems you're in, please. <laughs> all right, maybe last question. And um, thank you guys so much for all of this time. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah, of it. Of course. 
um, a fun question. And earlier, Crystal got asked this on their little like MTV crib tour. Oh, for goodness sake. And it, we just, someone happened to submit the same one. So I think that's perfect timing. If the Women's Center could be described as a song, what would it be? Oh, I was about to be rude. We we were we were discussing we were like well it's a Beyonce song so what Beyonce song is it and I know that you are the expert in that so is it is it a Beyonce song I don't know if it's a Beyonce song oh okay hot take wait (laughs) for those who can't see Hope has full leaned back in their chair (laughs) like like wrapping my head around like what it I feel like. It feels like a Tiana Taylor song. Ooh, okay. And it feels especially like that really hot one with like um uh Kalani. Okay. And like more or less the vibe, not necessarily see, that's what I'm saying. It's like y'all can't tell I'm not a song, maybe a playlist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I feel like that's I, a little yeah. more fair. I think that's true, actually. That feels that feels right that it's like it couldn't be it, yeah. it can't be one like, thing um, only. I don't think so. You know? Because no. there's so many different, and, and that's the goal of this space is yeah. to try to, you know, um, be a space for so many different people and different identities and experiences. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Y'all just make the playlist for us. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And we do have a playlist going at POC Circles, so we can listen to that. Listen. And that's what I'm, see, that's, that's what we're talking, because there was also a playlist for the Women's Center with our really radical um in terms that we were we always referencing about like no 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 there was like a long playlist that was like yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna put this on for vibes and it's like this fits the vibe right? <laughs> but yeah i would say a playlist but like not even just a play like a play list it's like yeah. ongoing you keep adding that type of deal and and I always let our interns be in charge of it. I can't I can't be responsible for the music. Listen, y'all will get a y'all, lot of stuff you don't want to hear on my y'all have the vibes. Music. <laughs> <laughs> and Broadway musicals, show tunes. Those are all welcome. <laughs> but yeah, well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Um, listeners, please let us know if you have any other questions, lingering, whatever. Is, is there any contacts you guys can give out for people to reach out to? If you're comfortable. Yeah. Um, so, ooh, follow my Lego page. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head because there's like (laughs) a lot of underscores in it, but it's basically Black Girl Brick. And then there's like a number of whatever. Super cute in what I'm doing with the Lego scene. Um, you have to have graduated in order to follow me on my personal. Um, some interns might have snuck in there before they graduated, but, um, and yeah, at work, hope.freeman at um, tufts.edu. My Calendly is up to date. Thank you, Jess, um, for showing me how to do it. So I think that's the easiest way to do it as well. Yeah, my email is jessica.mitzner, M-I-T-Z-N-E-R, at tufts.edu. And I'm often in the Women's Center upstairs, so you can come find me if something's coming up and you want to chat. Or you can, um, our, both of our Calendly's are linked in our mm-hmm. Instagram bios. So if you want to set up a time to chat with either of us or with our amazing new program coordinator, yeah. Mandana, you can find those all in our Instagram link in the bio. Oh, and Hope doesn't have an office. I just want to, I want to put that out there. So it would have to be through Calendly um, because you wouldn't be able to just drop in on me in a space. Because um, Hope keeps giving away her offices to I keep giving away my offices to people who deserve it. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, please make an appointment with me if you want to meet and we'll find a spot sounds great well thank you guys so much thank you you. (laughs) all right